0: Ladies and gentlemen, do welcome to, my, to the next episode of my safe Bad show and it gives me great pleasure and it's a privilege to have Amanda Blackford, Director of Problem Gambling Services at the Ohio Casino Control Commission with us. Amanda, welcome on the show. Great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is our pleasure. So let's talk about Ohio first, because uh, you've got a BA in psychology and then subsequently do a MA in policy and administration, administrative arts, I should say both at the very famous Ohio State University. So if I may ask, is that the right mix of ingredients and spices that has helped you throughout your regulatory and even more so responsible gambling related career?
1: You know, I don't know that there's uh, a secret sauce, right, <laughs> to, to become a regulator. Um, I originally thought that I was going to be a counselor, honestly. Uh, I started with the commission thinking it was going to be a temporary position uh, and fell in love with public policy. So my my love for psychology uh, Turned into a love for behavioral public policy and lo- and looking at um, how public policy can impact people who may have issues with um, behavioral impacts. So it took it took a different turn than I was expecting. Um, but I think it's all about that balance, right? Knowing that uh, as regulators and especially RG regulators, we don't, we don't know everything. So taking a step back and examining evidence and and trying to drive evidence-based policy forward to, to better help people.
0: See, and this is one of the reasons why SBC and I do this podcast, because we get to know that folks of this industry better and you know hearing somebody saying oh I fell in love with public policy in my book. This should be carved somewhere. <laughs> and a She loves public policy because it's not always the case and I've been in that space for quite a while as well. So I do share both your laugh but also the sentiment of how it may be perceived or rather misperceived. In General, because you said that every regulator is different, but if you were to name a couple of particular qualities that in your view, every regulator, or if you prefer responsible gambling, personal advocate should have, what would those be?
1: Balance, right? You have to have a balanced perspective. You have to be willing to take a step back and and look at evidence and mm-hmm. consider all the stakeholders. So we can't be so biased against... Um, the industry, for example, that's one we run across a lot, right, in, in this industry where regulators may not not always have a positive view of operators, but at the end of the day, um, operators are our stakeholders too, so we have to keep operators as well as our people in mind, um, so the ability to to really examine evidence and to make sure that we are um, humble in our approach and, and knowing that we, we don't know everything and we can't know everything, but we can um, try to take everybody's points of view in order to, to drive better balanced and informed policy.
0: And I've got to say that all my trips down to Columbus, Ohio have always been very pleasant, <laughs> in particular because... And- It's fair to say, just like many, if not all other North American regulators, you guys do have an open mind, but also an open door policy. So we are knocking on open door if you want to come to see you and the team and uh, the wider senior management team at the control commission. Well, on a slightly more serious note, because you graduated, And then you took part in, and you've already alluded to it, a piece of research in your case, and I believe it's very laudable, if I may put it that way, into bipolar children's behavior, the related medication and socialization. And again, to, if I may, to extrapolate it on my own perspective, uh, one of my cousins, she happens to have one of those issues, and uh, uh, I'd be the first person to say, because she's in her 30s by now, that my aunt her mothers an absolute saint saint rather because uh, she's been looking after her all her life so hopefully i can relate to it but you know what lessons did you draw from that research and did you get a chance because we always keep talking about applied research or applying research even did you have a chance to apply that research in your later and ensuing career absolutely
1: my time In that in that research clinic was probably one of the things that shaped my perspective on people the most. Um, I got the privilege to do a lot of observation through play. So a a big portion of my job was playing with these children. Um, And oftentimes they were going through huge hurdles um, and, and dealing with a lot at such a young age. Um, but at the end of the day, they were just children, and they loved to to play cars and dolls and and play pretend, um, want to be superheroes or fairies. Or um, so what I learned is, at the end of the day, I, they were just people. They were just children, and they had a lot on their plate and a lot going on. Um, but it it impacted the way I, I view people in general. At the end of the day, we all have a lot going on. And um, those who may be impacted with uh, with a gambling problem, they have a lot going on. They have a lot of hurdles. But at the end of the day, they are just people who are trying to do their best in life. And um, as long as we can treat them with expect- with respect and and treat them as people, I think we we get a lot farther by just realizing that no matter what perspective we have, whether we're regulators, whether we're operators, or or whether we're patrons, at the core of it, we're humans who all have goals and and need love and support and acceptance. And if we um, treat each other that way and and pursue our our jobs that way and and treat people with respect, we get a lot farther in life.
0: And that is, needless to say, an excellent point because we all keep talking about, and we'll come back to it. Responsible gambling technology and what to do for our patrons. But to your point, there's an element of all those concepts being dissociated from the fact that ultimately we are all human beings. So thanks for bringing that point up and that needs to permeate, I would suggest, everything that we are doing in that space. And by that space, I of course mean responsible gambling, but also the wider industry. So if I may ask my (laughs) Next question, hopefully it will turn out not to be as controversial as it may sound, but at what (laughs) age do you believe that we may need to start educating young folks about responsible gambling? I'm not talking about how to bet, but rather about the vagaries of betting and gambling, because in my experience, and I've discussed it with a few, Folks at both ends of the pond, the issue's always been well. Ideally, we would start at a relatively young age, but that could spark quite some controversy, in particular at the parents' end. So, what would be your take on this potentially thorny issue?
1: Yeah, I think I think anytime normalization happens, there there has to be education at, at if, from a young age. I think it's it's very much if we treat it like we treat. Alcohol, for example, I mean, if alcohol is in a, a household, parents are having conversations with their children at a young age to teach them, like, "Oh, we're not drinking too much; we're just having a drink here." Or, and I think there's this uh, a stigma against gambling in a lot of ways. It's it's somewhat new, uh, at least in the in in the United States, from a mobile perspective, and having it kind of like permeate um, the house a lot more. I think that means we've got to push up those conversations. We've got to have more conversations with our children from, from the parents' perspective. But when we're talking about true education into um The middle school, high school area, I know at least here in the state right now that uh, financial literacy is a huge issue and and driving more financial literacy curriculum into the schools is a big issue. Uh, I think gambling fits very well into that space. If we use um, gambling as an example for financial literacy curriculum, I think we're having those conversations early on and setting children up for success, setting budgets, understanding um entertainment dollars, that kind of thing. So I think that really should start happening at that at that middle school high school level um but I think even those early conversations in the household need to happen you know earlier than that.
0: yeah, I presume most kids. At that age, would know what a FICO score is. Okay. <laughs> you might be right. Might be a good time to start talking to them about gambling and how to do it responsibly. if They choose to do that once they're of age. The Ohio Casino Control Commission. You've just <laughs> admitted to have originally thought that the role that you got back in the day would be temporary, but it's been your career, your professional home since. March, 2012, and originally you focused on licensing systems, risk identification projects, critically important pieces of work, of course. And then you moved on to being a senior investigator. It sounds just a tiny little scary to, <laughs> to me, but I suppose to put, if I may, to put sort of a funny spin on that, and I totally appreciate as a failed lawyer in my past life. That details of any and all investigations are confidential, so do not name any names, but are there any hilarious stories about an investigation you've been involved with and you are allowed to share
1: uh, so maybe not directly related to a specific investigation um, but you know back in the day, we used to travel a lot more for investigations. Uh, now we have better technology we can kind of uh, you know, do less of that now. Um, but I remember meeting with certain operators that had coined the term of other jurisdictions, uh, investifications, where they turned their investigations into vacations kind of deal and stayed in really swanky places uh, mm-hmm. and kind of took advantage maybe and charged the operator back. Um, I can really say that's not something we did in Ohio. In fact, the first time I ever heard the term uh, investifications I was kind of laughing to myself because we happened to be staying like in this per diem government rate hotel where I walked in and there was like dirty Skittles all over the floor. And my coworker reported back that he had like mirrors on his ceiling. <laughs> there was just a very kind of sketchy, sketchy place. Uh, so whenever I, I hear that term, I kind of giggled to myself. Uh, that was certainly not not the Ohio model. Maybe I'm jealous of of uh, other jurisdictions in which that that was the case,
0: <laughs> but I'll always remember dirty skittles on the floor. So. May certainly be worth asking your fellow regulators next time <laughs> you get together about the university. vacations that they may have had or, or, yes. or not have had. And yeah, I suppose good old holiday ends. Yeah. I shall yeah. digress, but you know <laughs> your. As we've already touched upon, you're one of those folks that kindly designed the licensing systems for operators. And every now and then some of us would argue, oh, well, we're going through a licensing process in in state or country or jurisdiction X. And that there's this pile of paperwork (laughs) and we've got to do it. We've been through it. Before, but what would be your take on this somewhat moaning and groaning as somebody who used to design these processes?
1: Yeah, I I do think new solutions need to be considered, right? I think as regulators, we've got to be open to that. Um, The multi-jurisdictional was a step in the right direction, right? But there's... Technology, new technology, as we said, is is on the table now. Um, So maybe there needs to be a multi-jurisdictional 2.0 that really uh, (laughs) considers that technology aspect into it. How can can we have a shared platform for all regulators so that operators don't have to be divvying out their personal information uh, across so many jurisdictions in so many different ways? Um, Obviously, I think we've all are hyper aware and edgy right now about data security. Um, And so doing so in a manner that I am not an IT expert, I will caveat all of this by saying that is not my area of expertise. but there's got to be more technical solutions that we can consider. Uh, colleges have done it from you know, the college application perspective um, and created shared platforms for these kinds of things. So I, I do think it needs to be more heavily considered from the regulator's perspective. Um, data security always being one of the main focuses of that kind of thing.
0: Totally. And there's, needless to say, some music to the ears of the industry. I'm sure even more of us will start flocking to Columbus, Ohio to have that discussion and well, to continue with the theme of a funny spin, I will not name any names either, but as somebody who used to fill out those forms many moons ago, the upside I suppose was that uh, one would have gotten to know the big wigs of their their particular companies, (laughs) even quite intimately, like, oh, surgeries back in 1971 and here's a scar as a result. And the FBI really needs to know, but I shall digress again sports betting in the great state of Ohio. So you joined that roster, you jumped on that band again, (coughs) effective the 1st of January 2023 and at least in my book, but I'm sure a lot of others would agree, you rank amongst the leading and most certainly most progressive thinking regulators and regulatory regimes. very briefly, would you mind walking us through the potted history and evolution of that regulatory regime in the run-up to the momentous day of the first of January, still this year? And then, any changes you guys have in the pipeline? Anything we can expect from you? Um,
1: so we had the benefit uh, of being one of the later states to launch, right? So we. Um, we had the benefit of looking at other jurisdictions to see what was working well um, and maybe what we wanted to do differently. When it came to our rule writing process, uh, we we had a, a sprint. We had 10 months from the time I think the bill um, passed to the time we had to go live with everybody in January 1. So we designed a rule writing process that we hoped was um, Designed to create feedback from all stakeholders. So the way we wrote our rules is that we we wrote rules that we thought were good, put them out for stakeholder feedback, got all the feedback back, amended the rules, put them out for a second round of stakeholder feedback, um, got got those back and and adjusted the rules based on that feedback before it ever started going through the formal rule process. Um, so it was really this informal um Process in which we hope we got a balanced perspective on our rules because we got input from all the stakeholders, um, and we hope that gave them a, a more of a voice and a stake in that process because they got the ability to um, to make suggestions. We took a lot of suggestions that came in from that process, um, and I think we ended with a, a pretty good result. Uh, from that, we have rules that I, I do think are balanced from both an industry perspective and our G perspective. We got lots of stakeholder comments back from individuals in treatment recovery um, when it came to our informed RG rules. So I think what it gave us was a, a good foundation for. Uh, that said, there's always going to be changes, right? Uh, we uh, we had to implement rules very quickly and get up up and off the ground um, in, in a sprint, and what that means is that you know we're we're going to have to reevaluate some things. I think um, RG is a is a great a great aspect of this. Um, new technologies and information are coming out like crazy. Um, we got new. Uh, survey results and prevalence data that was released in our state, so just recently after the rules were done. So there's a a lot that's going to, I think, um, have to change, but I think informed change is the right way to go, really evidence-based change. Um, So there's a lot of talk about AI and risk mitigation uh, and things that we can do to prevent problematic play and create more sustainable play for um, our customers in the state. So I think major adjustments to rules are going to be seen. But uh, as before, it'll be, I think, a a balanced and informed process for everyone. So we'll put out anything that we want to do. Um, for stakeholders to, to comment on before we ever go into a formalized rule process. And, and I hope that means we'll have um, better evidence-based and balanced
0: rules when it comes to especially responsible gaming. And it will keep us all entertained, I suppose, <laughs> if I may make a suggestion to SBC, maybe worth launching an equivalent of the Guinness Book of World Records. We could have SBC batting World of Records in you know, 10 months. The market that's pretty <laughs> phenomenal, but there are a few states, if I remember, glued in my well, these days, home state, New Jersey, who would have given you a good run for your, for your yes. money. Yes. We've already said that you currently serve as director of the Division of Responsible Gambling, and you've just talked about the general aspects of your role and your involvement, which is truly appreciated in the overall policy settings, but specifically as director of problem gambling services, what does that role or directorship role entail?
1: I think most of my job is really focused on creating um, good policy through collaboration, right? So we can't, that can't happen in a vacuum. Um, so one of my most important roles is to ensure that our policy and programs are developed in a partnership with those who should be in the space. Um, we have, what well, formed in Ohio, what we call Ohio for Responsible Gambling, which is the Lottery Commission and Mental Health and Addiction Services, um, along with ourselves. And we all have funds that go towards problem gambling programs and responsible gambling um, programs. And so we put those all together. So we're not trying to all tackle the same issue on our own. We really uh, need to work together. And along with that, it can't just be state entities, right? Trying to make all these decisions on our own. Um, so we have an advisory board that's made up of um, operators individuals that are special that specialize in treatment prevention specialists as well as individuals in recovery um, and we have committees we develop a strategic plan for our continuum of care um, and they, they really help inform us where our funds should be used and and how we should focus on um, that. And I think a, a big part of my job is just facilitating those connections and those relationships, um, making sure we have the right feedback and then and then implementing that at a statewide level. i
0: have having been to the good old Buckeye Stake quite a few times, and it's always been a pleasure, as I've said, now I've been exposed in practical terms to some of the campaigns that you've got going. So would you want to talk little bit more about them, what folks would get to see when they arrive in the state in terms of responsible gambling and responsible gambling programs and information services?
1: Right. So we've always tried to um, run our campaigns in a way that uh, that is well focus grouped. So we do a lot of focus grouping with our campaigns. Um, our current campaign is called Pause Before You Play. So it's really focused on um, just helping people. Pause, set limits. Um, consider all the RG tools that the operators have given them in, in their in their tool belt before they start betting. Especially, um, we're seeing an, obviously an increase in mobile betting, and so with that, we need to shift our campaigns and our message to be more of a focus on on what tools you have available to you to help you bet responsibly in those uh, in that area. Um, but we have a ton of um, buy-in that's focused towards also those who may have an issue. And and so we have a warm transfer campaign where a helpline campaign. So you can call um, the helpline number and, and be um, warm transferred to a clinician who can talk to you that same day, whether it's you, a loved one. Um, and I think truly what I'm most excited for this year is that we've also launched as part of our helpline um, statewide telehealth So before we were running into areas where we had a lot of gaps in coverage and service, Um, a lot of counties that just didn't have treatment providers in them that could actually see people. Um, So we launched statewide telehealth. So regardless of what area of the state you are, you can receive telehealth for free um, with the state of Ohio simply by calling our helpline number.
0: I'm afraid I can't pause before asking my next question, but let's segue from the micro or if you will, Ohio macro level to the nationwide Mm -hmm. macro level. You've also happened to have been heavily involved with the likes of NCPG and the overall RG ecosystem in this country. So in your assessment, is that ecosystem thriving or is there more, even much more to do and what are the most salient issues at the moment? I mean, nationwide, because clearly Ohio's got it in hand.
1: I I hope we're on the road to having it in hand, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think the beauty of sports betting is that uh, in in brick and mortar settings, we were so used to our state having being its own little ecosystem, right? We can't approach problem gambling or responsible gambling like that um, when we're talking about sports betting because it is so nationwide, apps, advertisements, everything is is nationwide. So what it is is forcing us from the state level, from the regulatory perspective, but I think from the RG community as a whole to collaborate and work together a lot more because we can't operate in this vacuum state by state um, that we have in the past. But I think for that reason that we're pushing boundaries before like we never have. We're working together on research like we never have. Um, we're having meetings about, uh, from the regulatory perspective, how we can coordinate our roles so they they are similar or, or the same across um, certain areas in the RG world. And that's huge. Before, that was never happening. And so... Um, I think there's a lot that we can do when we are working together from this national perspective um, and having more regulators at the table who are willing to look at their rules and consider it from a national perspective rather than just what's going to work in their state. um, I think it's huge. And and I think as a result, we're seeing things like better research, better pushing of technology, um, more collaboration that we're going to see. I'm very excited to see what happens with with topics like AI and risk mitigation. Um, I think that has to be evidence based, and we have to have research to support that and, and pilots to support that. Um, and I'm I'm. Ex- I think that's the new front, the new forefront for really responsible game, gambling and making sure that our, we set standards for online best practices and that kind of thing and what platforms should look like to drive safer, more sustainable play. Um, so I'm, I'm super excited about what sports betting has done to our, our RG ecosystem and just forcing us
0: to, to collaborate even more than we ever have. And that, as you've said, that would be absolutely huge and definitely appreciated by the industry. You know, we're we're hitting the the home straight. The Buckeye State is one of those states that is totally sports mad. So I'd be remiss in my duties if I didn't ask you about the fortunes of the Ohio-based sports teams. For the record, we're filming on the 16th of (laughs) November. Make or break for the Bengals tonight. Fingers Uh, crossed. Fingers crossed. So um, the Bengals, the Buckeyes, even the Cavaliers, the Blue Jackets—how <laughs> will they do? Pick one. You don't need to go one by one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm a huge Bengals fan. Uh, had season tickets growing up with my grandfather. Uh, you know, uh, so uh, you know, my fingers are crossed for this evening. We'll see what happens. I, I won't make predictions on that. Um, Buckeyes. Alma mater, diehard Buckeye, Uh, even if we're terrible, I will say till the day I die that we'll win the national championship. That's just how we are every year, regardless of what it's looking like. We will win. Um, But actually, one of my uh, favorite new loves is the Columbus crew. And people forget we kind of have these MLS um, teams here in Ohio, probably because we call it soccer and not football. And that's just I get that. It's not uh never understood that but I I digress um but we just recently won the our our semifinals eastern conference match my took my seven-year-old son to the match and he's diehard soccer fan and very into it so uh who knows an MLS cup maybe we're hoping we look good this year (laughs)
0: Amazing, go crew, and in Joe Burrow, we trust with yeah. Patriots being so terrible this season. The Bengals, again, for the record, are my adaptive team this season, <laughs> if you were to have me. But I shall digress and give Amanda her 60 seconds to yeah. convey any messages she may want, be them both sports or about responsible gambling. So, your time to shine even more, please.
1: I guess uh, with a wrap up, I have to say that research has to be the focus in the coming years and funding has to be dedicated to research to drive evidence-based best practice. And it can only occur if we're working collaboratively as regulators, as operators. Operators have the data. Um, Regulators obviously have the ability to create standardization and uh making sure we have all the right stakeholders at the table, including those in recovery um treatment and prevention specialists um I think is gonna is gonna be in the best interest of all customers and and citizens for for our state
0: ladies and gentlemen we've had the great pleasure of having amanda Blackfoot our favorite Buckeye crew and diehard on this episode of The Save Bad Show. My name is Martin Lechka, and I would love to see you next time. Thank you, Amanda. Take can speak soon. Thank you.